We're going to continue our series that I've really enjoyed uh, working through what's on your mind because really it is where people are at right now. But today we're going to look at uh, fear of the future, fear of the unknown, fear of tomorrow. Is that okay, guys? Yeah. Come on. Okay, Colossians 3, 1 to 4 from Amman Willow. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen. That is the word of the Lord. Now, the Anglican went, thanks be to God. Ready? <laughs> thanks. Yeah, yeah, all right. Okay. So, uh, we're going to be looking at the uh, fear of the future, fear of the unknown, fear of what's going to happen. But we need to start off by saying it's not from God. This is from the enemy. It's the enemy of our souls that want to stop us, destroy God's work in us, and stop us stepping into all the good things that God has for us. That's what it's designed to do. And, but there, there are legitimate fears of the future, like going to the dentist. I don't know whether you know, but I've got to go. I've got a few things that the, he's got to do, and I'm quite fearful of there's going to be pain. Yeah, anyone, else, anyone else like that? Hands up. Yeah, I don't like that. But then there are legit, there's, uh, legitimate fears, yeah? Uh, sorry, illegitimate fears, like... A fear of getting in the bath. Did you know that? That there's a fear of that called ablutophobia. And, 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 and when you look it up in the medical journal, it says, yeah, most often found in children, but usually resolves, resolves itself with age, but sometimes found in adults. <laughs> and, and there's the fear of getting married. You know, I just see it in so many of the young boys of today or the young men of today, fear of getting married. And then I got married. And now I know why I feared getting married. No, I don't. I don't. It's, you know what? It's the best thing you could ever do if you're not married yet. Get married. That's what it's all about. But too much fear about that. And then there's one uh, that... I had a friend once, Tony probably remembers him, and, and he had such a fear of coming outside into the open because he feared something was going to fall from the sky and hit his head. Name was Gary. And so he used to put a bucket on his head and walk about, I'm serious, he used to put a bucket on his head to go down the shops. You'd see him and say, Gary, how you doing, mate? He'd go, yeah, I'm all right, yeah, all right, yeah I'm all right. And the only way he knew where to go was to watch the the uh, paving, he'd be able to look down and see the paving to see where he, he got to and that. But uh, the thing is with us, truly, with fear, when fear comes on us, it can be like we're walking about with a bucket on our head. Instead of being able to see what God wants us to see, we can't. Instead of looking up to hear what he wants to say, we're looking down to walk in life. There, there's no faith in our actions. There's no faith in what we're doing. And so that's what fear does to us. It, it, it's like walking about with a bucket on your head. And if you don't remember anything else from today, you're going to remember that. And you don't walk about with a bucket on your head. Okay. 
But I'll ask the question, though, in all seriousness. Are you walking about with a bucket on your head? Are there things in life that you're so fearful of that it's stopping you doing what God wants you to do? And you're looking down instead of up. It's the reality of it. You know, so are you anxious about the future? You know, that's based in fear. Are you stressing about what might happen or what might not happen? Again, that's based in fear. Are you overthinking the things that you're planning to do? Excessive reasoning, I think they call it. Again, that's based in fear. And the thing is this, that 365 times at least in the Bible, God says, don't fear. It's the most common command of the Bible, but most times it's followed with this, for I am with you. Do not fear because I am with you. Now, if it said, don't fear because Clive is with you. Now, I might be able to help you out with a bit of praying for the sick. Uh, God seems to bless me in that way. Or, you know, or maybe I might be able to help you out if you want to start a business. Yeah, might, might cost you a bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> right? But if you was to say, like, oh, Clive, I want, can, I, can you help me sort out this flower display? It's not going to happen, all right? I can't do it. It's a, or bake a cake, you know? I'm not that man, okay? Good luck with that one. But what it doesn't say, Clive, does it? It said, for I am with you. This is the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, the ancient of days, the one who was and is that is to come, the all-powerful one, the exalted one, the one who died on the cross that we could be cleansed and risen ourselves. And his presence is now in us. Not the Old Testament where you go to the temple behind the curtain. No, the temple's torn in two. We have that presence, not just upon us like this morning, within us, rising us up, giving us power and strength to do what he wants to do. I am with you. Can you say, I am with you? Come on. This is our God. Praise the Lord. I'm glad he doesn't say Clive is with you, though I am. Yeah, We're brothers in Christ. But God says, I am with you. And so to be in fear, to be in fear is, is of the future, it's not good for us. Proverbs 12.25 uh, 12, says that anxiety in the heart weighs a person down. Come on, we've all had days, haven't we, where we come out of our house, we might as well have a bucket on our head because it's like, oh, right. And people can see it. Yeah? It's not good for us. Now, Gordon MacDonald's written some good stuff and he spoke about every generation and the kind of things and the fears that they have as they move on in life. And I, I like this, what he said, it's like, so in the teens, the things that they fear, people will fear, are this, who am I and who am I becoming? Yeah, that's what they, who am I and who am I becoming? In the 20s, that we, we fear things like, what am I going to do in my life and who am I going to do it with? Nowadays, that's more with the blokes into their 30s, 40s and 50s, isn't it? It's like, come on, guys, commit to something. Yeah. But then in the 30s, you said, now, now that I have all these responsibilities in my life, how am I going to manage them? How am I going to prioritise what I should be doing and what I shouldn't be doing? And then we get into the 40s. And then we start questioning ourselves, am I a failure or a success in life? These are the things we face. This is reality that's coming your way if you're not that old yet. In your 50s, 
then we, we start to realise, I mean, the second half of my life, and who are these youngsters that want to come through and push me out of the way like I don't even exist? And how am I going to live and cope with the disappointments in my life? And we all have them when you've lived that long. <laughs> There's plenty. And then when we get into our 60s, is how much longer can I do what defines me or am I really going to let God change me to be all that he wants me to be? And then in our 70s, it's how do I live with loss? of retirement age, losing jobs, losing friends one by another. Who's going to be next? That fear is there of the future. And then in our 80s, does anyone actually remember who I was and what I did? All the hard work that I put in, all the strain that I put in, you know that, yeah? And, and the truth is, not many. You, you, you know, if you're focused on today's, this has got to happen, I've got to do this. If you can see it from a wise eye, from your 80s, and you look back and think, why was I stressed over that? Look, think now, something you were really stressed about last year, and you think, why was I stressed about that? Yeah, but in our 80s, that's what it's about. Who's going to remember who I was? Not many, that's the truth of it. He knows. And then the last thing is that what's going to happen to me when I die. But it's good and wise to be mindful of all these seasons that we go through. Not to spend yourself just for the 20s. It's pretty hard to tell the teenagers that because they're not listening to anyone. Yeah, at that age, I wasn't anyway. But, but actually, when you can start getting that mindset, I've got a whole life to live. It stops us stressing about everything, every detail of today. And so what does is, what is the Bible say about not stressing like that? Well, Colossians 3, Paul says this, look, set your mind on things above, okay? He says, not on things of earth, that your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And so what he's saying is this world will give you so many distractions, so many things that this world will say is important. Maybe you recognise some of them. Be a popular person. You know, I say enough here not to be popular. I don't know why you like me, but I love the fact you do, and I love being here. <laughs> Give yourself a hallelujah, yeah? Hallelujah. Come on. Yeah, but some people, some people chase that popularity rather than chasing the God that they was designed to chase. It's wrong. So it's success. The world says, you know, give your life to being successful or being comfortable. Get more stuff. Get more power. Get more things around you. Get more money. But the thing is, all these things are disappearing. They're going to fade away. They're going to go up in smoke. Burn like that in front of your eyes, in front of Jesus. Burn. The thing is what Paul is saying, is saying, think of eternity. Think of your new existence. You're not the same as you were before. You are born again, born into the heavenly realms. You exist here, but you are in the heavenlies as well. Come on, praise God, we were living that. As Jerry was leading us into that train into heaven, it's like, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. And we've got to carry that out into the world we live in. It's what we're created for. It's what will give you life. This world will never give you life. It's not what it's there for. We can enjoy it. I'm not saying we can't. 
But this is the thing, he said, no, your life is hidden with Christ in God. That we all have a part to play in the history of mankind. And it's his story, not our story. From Genesis right the way through to Revelation. Where you're created, we were created in heaven. You didn't just come out. God knew you before the beginning of time, Ephesians 1 tells us. And so he created us, but then we were thrown out of the garden for messing about, for getting it wrong, separated from God. But then the story that Jesus came into the world to clear our sin debt so that we could be connected back with our Father in heaven is such a sweet place to be, full of hope and joy and love. And now part of our story is to let other people know that they can have that as well. That's what it's all about, church. Can I hear an amen to that? But that's not the end because then it's the renewal of all things that we have a part in. This is our eternal existence that God has created for us. And it's when we develop that mindset, that's what that passage is all about. so much you could probably preach 50 uh, sermons on it. But that's what it's all about. Develop this, this mindset of heaven, this eternal mindset. And once we do that, it changes everything. It changes what we, th- we want out of life, what we do in life, our priorities. Everything changes. And what else it does? It calms our fears. It stills our hearts. Read uh, Psalm 131. Weaned like a child that's just been fed. You know, when you see a baby that's just been fed, they're weaned, they're quiet, they're contented. And that's how God wants us. So I'm not going to lose sleep if I don't get that job that I was so stressed out over. I'm not going to lose sleep if I don't pass the exams that my parents so wanted me to get. I'm going to do my best, but I'm not going to let it kill me. I'm not going to stress if my business isn't the best business in the city. I want the best, but it's not so important to me now. It's not my identity. It's not what God created me for, and it isn't what I live for. I I live for higher things than that. I was created for higher things than that. But let's be real about it, guys. Do you ever have them moments of fear? (laughs) You know, them moments where it's like, oh, my word. Yeah, because if you do, you're not alone. You read the Bible, it's stacked out with them. You're in good company, just a few of them. There was a guy called Gehazi, this prophet in the Old Testament, as he, as he faced the enemy and realised there was only a few of them and many of them. He had that moment, he was scared witless until Elisha said, God, will you open his eyes? Elisha looked up. You know, he didn't look down, he looked up and said, God, will you show him the armies of of heaven that are around us? And all of a sudden, he was delivered from that fear. And then we see, you know, probably the bravest man in the Bible, apart from Jesus, King David. You know, he was under so much pressure one day that he started to scratch marks into the gates there. He started to dribble into his beard like he was an insane person because he was so fearful of what was going to happen. And then there's Jesus. Wow, look at that. You know, Matthew 26, he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. So it can't be sinful to have a moment like that. It's what you do with it that matters. 
And you see, the future can look so fearful at times. You know, I, I can remember when I, I started a business and it was just for me and my boy, Glenn, because I was fed up with working for a firm that didn't pay me what I was worth. In, in, in fact, it was much less than what I was worth. But we started it. And then we took someone else on, and then we took someone else on, and, and then there's, there's five families there, and there's more, ten families. And I had that moment, what's going to happen if we run out of work? Who's going to feed all these families? Who's going to pay their mortgages? And it's all down to me. I've got to get all this working. And it, and it was crazy. I had that moment, and it, and it was crying out to God, God, if you don't help me, it's all going to collapse, as though it all depended on me, really. And I had to let go at that moment. It was all too much for me, that realisation. But you know what? That's where God wants us. And sometimes that's where God takes us. So that we trust in him, like Manuela was saying this morning. So that we rely on God. Because the reality is, I did little bits. God was doing a huge amount in the background to make that happen. So is that where you are today? Uh, has God taken you to that point where it's like, God, I can't cope. If, it's, if, if it doesn't happen anymore, it's going to collapse, God. Is that where, you know, my life is going to fall apart, Lord, unless you step in and do something. Well, maybe that's exactly where God wanted you to be. And maybe that's why the things that have happened have happened to take your heart to that point because he wants to transform you for all eternity. We're so, we're so uh, focused on our little life here. He's not. <laughs> He's really not. That's why he let his son die on the cross. It's all about eternity. It's all about here. It's, this is nothing. It's a seed. Seed looks nothing like the plant. He looks at the plant. We're, we're focused on the seed. Focus on the plant. That's what it's all about. As I have focused on what God has done in my life, I've realised, you know, how faithful he is, how faithful he's been in my life, how he's stepped in again and again. And sometimes it's only looking back to go, wow, God, I didn't realise you did that. I honestly thought that I was getting all the work in for five gangs and all that. When I look back, it was like, well, I didn't realise I was going to get that. I looked at the book. I thought I was going to get this job, but there was loads of work there that wasn't from me at all. You realise you start to see God's hand in your life. It's just an amazing experience. So, so what then, what then is, what difference does it make that my life is now hidden with Christ in God? What, does it, what, what difference does it make that God says that, don't be fearful because I am with you? What, what difference does it make? Well, I want you to think right now, what are the things, say two things, the two major things you're facing that actually make you feel like putting a bucket on your head? Can't cope with that. Yeah? Just think, Spirit of God, just bring that. Now listen up, because Psalm 33 describes what God will do for you when he's in your life and you're following him. How he's going to look after you in your future. It says this, that I will be your shepherd He's going to look after you and protect you. It's not going to leave you or forsake you. And then it says that you will lie down in green pastures. So step out in faith. 
It might not be perfect, but step out in faith. He's going to lead you there to abundance and fruitfulness and turn everything around for the good of those who love him. He's going to lead you by still waters. So he's going to lead you into a place of security and a place of peace. These are all promises from God. The difference, he's going to restore your soul. So however damaged you are, and we're all damaged in, in different ways as we live through this crazy world we're born into, he's going to fix you up. He's got you. He's got you. And then his goodness and mercy, they're going to follow you. If you just got hold of that one with this scary thing that God's asking me to do, and you know when I get there, God's goodness and mercy is all going to be there. Wouldn't we step out into that? Or is it bucket on the head looking down, oh my word, I bet my feet smell. You know, it's that kind of thing. We look up. He said, I will comfort you. I will prepare a banquet for you. Can you imagine that? Imagine what it's going to look like, that banquet at the end of time. It's done just for you. God is doing it just for you. And then his goodness and mercy will follow you. And then we will get to live in the house of the Lord forever. How good is that? You know, in the presence of God, he's going to be there. So get this, guys. Your future is all about God. Yeah, it's not about you. It isn't about me, it's about him. And when we can get that perspective, it's like throw away them fears. I don't want to be doing that anymore. Just focus and buck it off. Look up and let him do it. Rely on them promises. Now it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that stuff won't happen that's bad. Because it will. We know from last year that stuff still happens. It is a fallen world. But the key really is to know your identity, guys. Do you know who you are? Are you sorted on that, that you're a son and daughter of God? That your, your, your God is the Father in heaven and his goodness, it's his goodness that will follow you, not mine, not anyone else's, you know, here this week, not next week. No, it's always there. If we seek things that are above. That's what Paul's saying. I wish you'd have unpacked that verse and give us more, but we have to do it. It's like, if you seek the things that are above. So if you're not seeking what's above, I don't believe the full promise is there for you. It's, a, it's an obedience. There's a stepping out into it. To, it and, and I love it because the thing is, the problem is that the things of this world look so attractive, so distractive, I think it's Revelation 11 that Satan's job is to lead the world astray. We get led, led astray. You know, Jim Carrey says this, I think everyone should become rich and famous just so that they can find out it doesn't work. Success in this world does not make you happy. And that's from someone who's famous, rich, funny and everything. See, it doesn't work doesn't work guys have you found that out yet you found it out it doesn't work he's the one who bring, makes us happy full of joy guys so Paul says as for you you have been raised with Christ you must believe that in your heart you are different my word you are different set your minds on things above Spend time being soaked in the Lord like we were this morning. 
Praise the Lord for his presence here. Spend time with him. Prayer is the biggest privilege that we have. Unapproachable fire. This God yeah, has made a way that we can. The, uh, wouldn't we go to him and ask him, God, what is the next stage that you want me to, to move to in, in my life with you? What is it? What do you want me to do? What is it, God? Because when you look at Acts 2 and the disciples, scared as anything. And then they went into the upper room, started to pray. And then the Spirit of God came boom upon them. And you know, immediately they knew what to do. Immediately they went out and started to speak in tongues. What a weird thing that must have been for them. It had never been done before. And, and so that's the thing. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, is what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And if you're sitting here going, well, I don't know, that's the answer. Prayer meeting on a Wednesday. Be there. And on your own. Since January, just as an aside, I, I've, I pray for an hour every day now. And Duncan started something off where it was fasting on a Thursday. And, and so now I fast, I will say, for years on a Sunday morning and a Tuesday morning and Thursday morning. Now I do Thursday all day. Not, not if it's inconvenient with a family or whatever. I'm not religious on it, but most Thursdays I'm fine. It makes such a difference. Soaking yourself in God. And while you're in that presence, is just to learn to discern. When I'm thinking, God, do you want me to do this or do you want me to do this? That kind of feel. Well, if it's something God doesn't want me to do, it will seem dead. It will seem lifeless, dark. That's, that's all I know. That's the discernment. But if it's something God wants me to do, there's life in it. There's, there's life, there's joy, there's excitement just thinking about it. And actually, physically, as I'm praying, if it's something God doesn't want me to do, my head tends to go, boom, like that. Yeah? If it's something God wants me to do, it's like, yeah. I don't mean to do it. You watch, you know, you watch yourself, yeah? When you catch something from God, it's like, whoa, yeah? But start to discern. Now, you may not always understand. The, the disciples certainly didn't understand all that was going on with them when they were first filled with the Spirit. But then we have to trust in God's timing and, and God's wisdom to fit it all together. That, that's patience that I'm really not good at, but God knows best. And, and sometimes there's a waiting that produces something in us that God wanted to. But then sometimes there's this sudden, God just does it. You know, this is a God of surprises that we worship. But once we hear from the Holy Spirit, once we know, trust him for the little things, and then the big things are easy. Yeah, that's how it works. Look after the pennies, and the pounds will look after the cell. The, the cell. Same thing, okay? And it makes us fearless of the future. This is where God wants it. Do you want to be a fearless church? Come on, that's where the fun is. Oh man, I can't tell you the amount of people that I chat to that are bucket on their head. Not again, not again. It's like, come on, take it off. What's the worst that can happen? Come on, we're going to heaven. <laughs> Amen, guys? <laughs> there we go. But, but, but sometimes, so sometimes this is long wait, okay? 
but sometimes, boom, it happens. Now, when Tony started to come to our online meetings, because we're all on Zoom last year, I hated it, all that technical stuff. How you guys do it, I don't. It drove me nuts and still does. But we were able to communicate and, and contact. And then all of a sudden, there was a little WhatsApp group grew around Tony, four or five people, that, that kind of thing. And then, so as it, as it came to an end, it's like, what do we do with this? So we decided to have a garden party, just come up with packed lunch and we see who turns up, 30 people turn up. It's like, God, you are speaking about a church plant here. And suddenly it was there. And so we've stepped out and we've started to prepare the way for that. There's a, a camping weekend coming up, a barbecue coming up. And God spoke to me in two dreams clearly last, uh, last week on it. It's like, it's like, fantastic. I know I've heard from God. Do you ask God for dreams? Come on, what, what did Joel say? And uh, young men will dream dreams and the old men will see visions. Yeah, how many times do we write them down and go, yes, that's it. All I'm waiting for now, well, I'm not waiting for it because I know God has said it, yeah, it is, is someone who knows nothing of it to come in and go, Clive, this, this and this. It's going to happen, you'll see. This is exactly how Islington Church got planted. It's how we knew the house that we live in now. Uh, I knew immediately as we walked in, because God showed me a picture of it the week before. Start tapping into your dream world. You are born of the spirit, guys. We're led by the spirit, spirit-filled people, spirit-filled church, spirit-filled leaders, spirit-filled Jesus. The, the, the dove came upon him. With you, I am well pleased. So let's, let's press into that, finishing up. And so think of things above. That's what Paul says. That's how he rounds that little bit off, verse four. And whatever happens in this life, Jesus, when he appears, he's going to bring you into his glory. Come on. So before God created the world, before he did anything, he knew you. He knew me. He designed you for something. He made you for something. The end goal of whatever happens in anyone's life in this room today is you are going to be filled with God's glory. Come on. Can I hear a glory to that? Come on. A bigger glory, God. Come on. We're going to be filled with his glory. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, No eye has seen or ear has heard what God is going to do with us. <laughs> it's beyond anything that we could imagine that's in our life. So you will receive at that moment the riches of heaven, the wealth of heaven, joy unlimited, infinite happiness, inexhaustible fun and peace and happiness and pleasure forevermore and most of all in the presence of God forever. So why fear the future? God doesn't want you to fear the future or me. He wants you to know that he is with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. As it said in the New Testament, that your life truly is hid with Christ in God. You're safe, you're secure and his goodness will follow you every day of your life. Whatever your fear is, God's going to be there. His goodness is going to be there. And one day you will be filled with the glory of God. May all fear go from this house. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Can we have a little bit of stuff, please? Let's praise the Lord. Come on. Woo!